up, NBA fans? This week, we're previewing the Central Division preview. And just a little announcement we just realized is we're only two weeks away from the start of the NBA preseason. Now, we we don't see the stars come out exactly for that. But, you know, Sean, as you were just saying, it does, you know, calm the urges a little bit, the excitement to, to, to get right into the NBA season and watch some basketball unfold. But uh, this episode, you know, we're going to review the Milwaukee Bucks, Indiana Pacers, the Pistons, the Bulls, and the Cavs. And we'll see who's the, who's the, who, is there a future MVP coming out of this? Is there a rookie of the year? And um, who's going to, who's going to really blow out of the water the expectations for this for themselves? But before we, we head into the previews, I got a trivia question for you, Sean. And I, I really like this one right here is which former All Star who is now retired? will collect his final NBA paycheck this year and from what team in this division is that from oh man that's a great question <laughs> so, so topical too going with the central division oh man that's so tough retired it's a two piece star yep former all star former all star now retired still getting paid yes that's a tough question, man. Holy <laughs> crap. Okay, so try to get the team. See if you can get the team. It's in this I division. Have a 20% chance. <laughs> I'll, I'll go with the Bulls. Not a bad guess. Not a bad guess. But it's guess. not the. It's the Cavs? I'll give you another shot. Oh, no. Not the Bulls Damn. or the Cavs. <laughs> you got your two chances. I, the- I couldn't even get the team run. I'm not going to get the player. <laughs> All right. I'm I'll, just going to go I'll... with, like, Rip Hamilton. You know, no, that doesn't that's make a, sense. Yeah, that's a that's a that might that that's a solid one, but it's Josh Smith, uh, who Josh used to play Smith. Josh Smith, and he will collect his final NBA paycheck from the Detroit Pistons this year. This wow. is a Josh Smith who hasn't played an NBA game since 2017, and prior to that, he didn't even play at all in 2016, and he only played three games. In 2017, but he's still getting paid by the Detroit Pistons, at least up until the end of this year. Man, I was so unprepared for that question. I <laughs> I literally didn't even have an a, a guess. It's that Rip Hamilton. He retired like 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's oh, it was man. a hard one. That was, it was a hard one. Yeah, props to you for that one. I'll, I'll be more ready next week. I'll I'll, I'll be I'll, I'll step up my game a little more. That was pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But yeah, so let, let's get started with the quick thoughts here, Alan, before we jump into the Central Division. Uh, we, got yeah. some, we got some sad news, honestly, um, to start it off. And we, we had been talking about the Washington Wizards a couple weeks ago. Well, they get their first big hit of the 2019-2020 season with Isaiah Thomas getting surgery on his left thumb out six to <sighs> eight weeks. And just That's... like that, just yep. like that. What are your thoughts? We... I mean, I was like, okay, if there is any sign of optimism for this team, it's Isaiah Thomas. I mean, you got to hope for something out of there. But now that's just out of the water. And I think, you know, I've been saying this for a while now, this whole last year and even the year before that, I think Isaiah Thomas is done. I think this is, I mean, it's not a big injury. Six to eight weeks is significant time, but... He'll play this season, but like it's just like you get off on this terrible foot, right? Like you won't mm. you won't be coming back till mid November, late November at this point, and it's really your last chance to prove yourself. And we were talking about it's like we're really excited that Isaiah Thomas is on this team 
because mm-hmm. they only have Ish Smith at point guard. And now right. that that's all they have at point guard is Ish Smith for the, yep. at least the first month or more of the season. And and this was Isaiah Thomas's chance on a bad team to really show his stuff. Is this is going to be tough for him to come back from? Honestly, yeah. If anything, start. it's. Yeah, it's also going to be tough for the Wizards. I mean, <laughs> just get off here with Ish Smith as your starting point guard, the guy who's ultimate journeyman. You're just going to lose a couple games in a row and knock it off to a good start out there in Washington. And I feel for those fans. I definitely do. It's like Order Porter Jr. is probably going to have himself a hell of a year in, in Chicago. John Wall's at home. Bradley Beal <laughs> might do okay. But it's just going to yeah, be it's, like, it's going to be a hard year to get through. It is. At least they're not the worst. Like, at least you still have Bradley Beal. And that, that's, that's something true. to be happy about. Like, at least you can watch some decent basketball from one of your players. Mm-hmm. It's not like the Hornets or anything, you know. Not They were not hoping for Dwayne Bacon to break out. <laughs> He's coming, man. He's coming for you. <laughs> but talking about point guards, let's go to Sean Livingston, who has officially retired from the NBA. But he does retire as a three-time NBA champion, the man who got who got drafted straight out of high school to the LA Clippers, experienced that horrible injury, only to then make up make up his career and make make his way back into the NBA and onto the the Golden State Warriors, where he won NBA titles and was just a great asset off the bench, despite not being the world's greatest three point shooter. Yeah, he was. I mean, all about the mid range shot. He had a great yeah. mid range shot, honestly, and he was. He had the yeah. height against whoever was guarding him. He could just jump up and just shoot over whoever was on him. And honestly, he's a very efficient player. Great bench energy from this guy. Honestly, very consistent player to play behind Steph Curry and those guys. And I really didn't think that this was going to be the end of his career. I, I mean, just like Andre Iguodala is still playing basketball. I I thought Sean Livingston had at least another year or two under his belt it's not like it didn't seem like he had a lot of wear and tear but at this point maybe he just didn't really have a lot of options from teams uh maybe no one really wanted to pick him up and i guess this is as good as time as any he's like well i don't need to risk any more injury i'll just call it a call it a career and he had a great one honestly like the redemption story for sean livingston Mm -hmm. is, is just something we should all remember as fans of basketball is just like he is able to triumph like over his own body honestly <laughs> like right. his body almost betrayed him almost prevented him from be- being an nba player and granted we'll never know like what he could have been if he didn't have those devastating season ending injuries career threatening yeah. injuries um but he was still able to make something of it and god give him props for that yeah and it looked like he was on his way to Helping out that Clipper team who back in the day had, what was it, like Katina Mobley, Elton Brand. Yeah, uh, Sam Cassell. Sam Cassell, yeah. yeah. That team looked like it was getting better and injuries to Elton Brand. Uh, Sean Livingston was also a big domino that fell off. So, mm-hmm. that yeah, who curse. knows? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Clipper curse was to real To be broken then. this year. This yeah. is the year. Yeah, but I do think Sean Livingston at this point in his career, I mean, he had a hell of a one, but I just don't think there was really any team in the NBA that had an open role for him, especially like given his age and, and skill set. I think this team, just the NBA of today, is just looking so much more for a younger, speedy, uh, great, great shooting point guard. And I would think he still would keep the option in China alive, but it looks like he's not. 
keeping that, he's not going the Lance Stevenson path. <laughs> Playing yeah, some air guitar just, out in Beijing or something. Yeah, I guess he's just content to, to ride off into the sunset as a three-time champ. Not a lot of people yeah. can say that, so a lot to be proud of there. Yeah, I think so as well. Now about Steph Curry committing to the 2020 Olympic Games um, in an interview at the on the NBA Jump with Rachel Nichols. Steph Curry commits to going to the 2020 Olympic Games, and you know during that interview, I didn't realize that he has he has never played on a U.S. Olympic team. Yeah, um, I hadn't really thought about that either. Interesting how he's just kind of fallen off, or, or was never really an option there. I wonder where was he in 2016 and. Um, 2012, I guess yeah, he was early maybe on his 2012, career. yeah, he wasn't quite there yet. And 2016, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I can't remember why he wasn't on that team. But this is this is a big thing, I think. This is the first domino to fall. It's like we just saw how the rest of the world caught up to the U.S., at least to right. like our, our B-level players, made us look silly in, in that quarterfinal and finished seventh place. Seventh place in the world? We're the basketball mecca of the world. Like that is just unacceptable, and it's great to see Steph Curry step up, step up here right after the FIBA tournament. And be like, I'm committing now. Like, this team's gonna win gold. Like, we have to make sure that we stay at the head of the pack. And I think you're gonna start seeing a lot of other stars follow suit. I mean, Steph Curry's gonna do it. I'm sure there's gonna be a lot of other stars that are gonna be interested as well. Like, I'd love to see Anthony Davis out there, Damian Lillard. Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, just get all those guys out there, man. Like, let's just let's just run train on the world. Let's just put our best foot forward here. Right. Yeah. Let's get a good Pikmin out there because that's the one thing I think the U.S. team has struggled the last couple of years since we since they had I think Dwight Howard on the team. They have not been able to get a, a solid big man out there to join Team USA. So hopefully they can get like an Anthony Davis or um, some somebody of that caliber. Carl Anthony Towns, I think, should be looking at that spot, or jo- Joel Embiid. Yeah, Joel. Um, well, he's Cameroon. Jo- yeah. That's right. I just realized that. <laughs> yeah, but, that yeah, would I be mean, nice, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, can we get a good big man out there to come out for the U.S.? But, yeah, I mean, I could definitely see Steph Curry playing that same role that Kobe played back in the 2008 U.S. Olympic team, sort of more the veteran the veteran around around a lot of younger guys that kind of just goes clutch in the fourth quarter and leads this team to a gold medal in the 2020 Olympics. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's going to be great. I'm, I'm really excited for that. I mean, I'm just hoping everyone stays healthy, that everyone stays healthy through the Olympics because obviously, I like as, mo- as awesome as the Olympics are, like for basketball, that's not really like the primary thing I'm watching at the Olympics. I want to watch right. my track and field. <laughs> I want to watch all the swimming events. I want to watch some of the cool stuff, you know, like, like curling. Yeah, cr- not curling. That's the Winter Olympics, <laughs> oh, and it's no, Winter it's Olympics. not cool. <laughs> <laughs> like, I-, I like seeing some of the cooler events, like the the ones that you don't really see on national TV very much. But basketball, it's like, yeah, you get you can get just as good action watching the NBA. So I'm just hoping that these guys don't injure themselves during. Uh, the Olympics. That's all I really care about. But and if we get gold really easily, that'd be pretty awesome too. Yeah, let's see what happens. Let's see what else France can stack up or uh, uh, Serbia. Or... Oh, we're gonna be out for blood, man. We're <laughs> we're gonna just go full force at them. Let's see. Let's see what happens. But let's jump into our central division previews here, and let's start with the team that I think I think me and you, Sean, we can agree on this: the Milwaukee Bucks are headed for that number one spot <laughs> alongside their defending MVP and Giannis onto McKembo. I think they're ready to really just rock this NBA because I think overall, 
I think the Eastern Conference is a little, slightly a little bit weaker with the Toronto Raptors falling off. So I think the Milwaukee Bucks' yeah. biggest challenge might just only be the 76ers. Yeah, I mean, the 76ers, uh, the Nets maybe to an extent. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially next year when Kevin Durant's healthy. Yeah, next um, year. Th- there'll be some good teams for them to play against. But this year it does look like the Bucks are the clear favorite again to be at the top of the East. Uh, they do have the unfortunate de- departure of Malcolm Brogdon. Malcolm yeah. Brogdon being that just efficient 50, 40, 90 guy for them. One of the few yeah. guys last year to do that. That's a big loss. So who do they bring in to try to to try to substitute? Um, see who they can bring in in his place. Wesley Matthews, I think the big one for them, um, mm-hmm. who could potentially fill some of his shoes. Um, also bringing in some help in Robin Lopez, Kyle Korver, Dragon Bender, getting that, getting a second chance with the Bucks, and Let's then go. and then bringing bringing the the older bro back in Thanasis and the Kumpo <laughs> back on the NBA scene. What a name! Oh. Man. That's the name of a superhero right there. Oh yeah, Thanasis, 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 Atomicumbo. That's the name right there. Could and you imagine being the substitute teacher that has to call <laughs> attendance and then you run into this name? I'm hoping that that's just like a common name in Greece so that that <laughs> teacher just had a really easy time with it. <laughs> that's but, true. Yeah. I mean, here, yeah, that would be a struggle in America. Right. But choosing to re-sign Lopez, George Hill, Chris Middleton, and letting Brogdon just basically walk to the Indiana Pacers, I mean... I th- it's crazy because I think to th- when I look at this team, I'm like, okay, this team is going to probably be probably finish with the number one seed in the East, but they're not going to be as good as last year, even yeah. though they're still going to be a good team. Yeah, it's hard too because it's like they had money to play with, but they gave that max contract to Chris Middleton. So they had a choice. They could either test free agency or keep the guy that they know has like the good chemistry with Giannis. Right. He's not. He's like. I mean, Chris Middleton is like. Tobias Harris is like the best comparison we always make to him, right? Like that's the level player he is. Right. Like that's what you're getting—a fringe all-star player for max money—and that's kind of what just this off-season demanded was that you pay these guys way more than they're worth because otherwise they're gonna get it from someone else because there's so much money out there. They just need to spend it. Right. Um, so the Bucks were just put in this position where it's like, well. Man, if we sign Chris Middleton, how are we going to have enough for Brogdon? Because Brogdon demanded a four-year, $85 million deal, which he ended up getting from the Pacers in that sign-and-trade. They couldn't afford that, so they just had to retain the guys they could. Um, They chose Middleton over Brogdon. We're going to have to see if that was the move to make because I love me some Malcolm Brogdon. Um, Yeah. I, I really am excited to see what he does on the Pacers, who we'll get to in a little bit, but... I, it, that's a tough choice because Middleton is the guy that's good right now. Yeah, I agree. And it is, it's, it's a shame that they had to overpay him. And I'm sure he had some bidders out there as oh, well yeah. for him. But another low-key loss for them is losing Miratek, not to another NBA team, but basically <laughs> to another basketball team across the globe. Yeah, going back to his hometown. <laughs> right, because he added some strong firepower to this team to add, give Giannis that unreal spacing when you have Brook Lopez, Miratek, and Bledsoe, and you have Brogdon out there as well, and Middleton. Like Now you kind of lose that piece, and you got to try to replace that with either Robin Lopez or... 
I don't know. I guess you might Dragon get Dragon Bender, Bender some minutes <laughs> and see what happens, or Wesley Matthews with a with a with a small ball lineup or something. Yeah, that, that's a low key loss, I think. I don't, and that I'm is. not really sure what Miro, Miro Tick was thinking. I guess the money or just going back home seemed more appealing to I him. Mean, than, he he got a pretty juicy contract for European basketball like terms i'm not sure what it was exactly i can't remember but it was a pretty meaty contract for a european contract and Mm -hmm. to be able to go back to your hometown i'm sure was a a, definitely a big factor for him as well so i can't really blame him and he's gonna be able to dominate over there i mean he's able to play at at a very high level at the nba level so playing in the euro league i feel like he could dominate even more so that, that plays into it too and yeah, I just I don't know. Wesley Matthews is is gonna be the guy that fills in for Brogdon in the starting lineup most likely in most scenarios in most games. I feel and uh, there was a time when Wesley Matthews was kind <laughs> of that guy where I'd be comfortable with him as a replacement here, but that was back in Portland. Honestly, like I don't uh, not even in Dallas. Definitely not when he was on the Pacers. He just he seems to have dropped off quite a bit. I just don't really believe in Wesley Matthews. Um, he had potential at one point in his career, but he just he's very average to me at this point. Like he certainly can't score like Brogdon. He's not gonna put up the three point shot like him and the free throws and like ninety ninety two percent from Brogdon last year. Like that you cannot replace that with just this one guy. Right, and Brogdon was up and coming. I mean, if you could assign him every year, he probably got better for you. Wesley Matthews, on the other hand, I mean, he's basically just a filler piece for you now. Um, yeah, he was a, a piece on the cheap. Um, so yeah. they try to su- supplement the three-point shooting by bringing in Kyle Korver, which, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's a really good move. Three-point shooting's at a premium in this day and age, but how many minutes is Korver going to give you realistically in a game where he, he, I mean, he can shoot 40% on the season, but the volume he's just not going to shoot as much as Brogdon did yeah and you sacrifice so much on the other side of the floor by playing Corver I mean right yeah you got to really just legs. cover him up <laughs> yeah Corver was I mean even in Cleveland he was just barely hanging on on defense and Utah you know the Utah defense was a little bit better to hide him but with this Milwaukee Bucks team it's you're you're sacrificing a lot on the other side bringing this guy in do you have any hope for Dragon Bender doing anything for this team or is he going to end up like thon maker i have no idea of dragon vendor like i don't even know what were his numbers last year like i I don't even know if i ever saw him actually step on the floor so with that being the point with that being my thought of him i'm gonna say no and i mean if there's a place where he would get an opportunity it might just be here um which is like the flipping of lineups that I think the Milwaukee Bucks are going to play just to try to make up with make up for some of that production that Brogdon left on the floor. But most likely, probably that those numbers are probably just going to end up getting absorbed by Giannis. I mean, we're looking at right. last year's MVP year numbers at twenty seven point seven points a game, twelve rebounds, five point nine assists. Like this is the year that maybe Giannis goes twenty nine thirty. Same rebounding numbers, probably six, seven or six, seven or six assists. And I think he continues to push the envelope and continues defending his title because, I mean, I think Anthony Davis is knocking on the door there in terms of best player in the league. Yeah, definitely. And you you know that Steph Curry's going to be shooting for it too now that Kevin Durant's gone. James Harden's right. always in the conversation. Yeah, James Harden is offended that 
then Giannis <laughs> took the MVP right, from him. Exactly. So you know he's he's out for it again. He's hungry for it still. And right. I mean, I do I do agree. I think I think the bulk of where you're gonna have to make up for Brogdon's loss or not being on this team anymore is is Giannis is gonna have to step his game up again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just don't see Middleton improving anymore at this point in his career. I think he's reached his prime. Uh, we've seen the best of what we're gonna get from Middleton. I think the best that Milwaukee can hope for is that he just stays in his prime for at least three more years. Yeah. Um, just stays like a consistent piece for them. And, and yeah, Giannis is going to have to pick, almost eclipse that 30 point a game mark um, for this team to really match what they were able to do last year, which was a fantastic season all around. Right. So we'll see. Maybe we get a Giannis jump shot. But I just looked up Brock, I mean, Bender's numbers from last year and you know he averaged 18 minutes a game but a five points uh 21 from three 44 yeah. from the field overall 59 from the free throw line oh. he's a five and four guy oh man 59 uh, free throws yes yeah that's not good i mean he is 21 going on 22 so he's still he's still growing but I think yeah. he's he could he's basically this is his last chance here to really try to get himself yeah. another NBA deal or else I think he's on his way out. Yeah, I mean they brought like the Suns brought like his prospects coming into the NBA was that he could shoot the three and he was a big man, right? Yeah, I wouldn't call twenty one percent a shooting <laughs> big man. <laughs> no way, not even close. No. Yeah. But so yeah, we have them trending what slightly down, like fifty five wins. Would you? Would you? agree with that yeah. number yeah i don't see i mean they they won 60 games last year i think it's possible for them to win that much just because it's the eastern conference but i think more realistically i think 55 is fair i'm i'll agree with you 55 yeah okay trending slightly down yeah just just a little bit though like they're they're still looking at the favorites of the east yeah i think they're number one in the east number one c they walk out with that but I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if the 76ers beat them in the Eastern Conference Finals if there's yeah, a big no, clash yeah, there. Right, that's a team we still have to get to in our, our previews. And, yeah, I agree with you. They could de- they're they easily going to be in contention for that number one spot. Yeah. So let's move on here to the Indiana Pacers. Uh, this is a team that is near and dear to our hearts for, for one reason only, and that, and that is the presence of Victor Odalipo. Um, unfortunately, he's still not healthy. Uh, going into this season and he's going to be out it looks like for another few months um, once the season starts looking at a projected Yikes. December or January return um, but he is doing drills on the court he's not in like contact yet with he's not playing like an actual scrimmage or anything yet so he's still got a ways to go but we're going to see what the Pacers can do in the meantime without him and I think a lot of the moves that they made in the offseason are going to help with that um, then bringing in Malcolm Brogdon, obviously, like we mentioned before, that's the biggest mm. piece for them. Uh, great move, in my opinion. And you also pick up some guys like TJ Warren, Jeremy Lamb, both great off-the-bench pieces for them, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, probably starting at least as long as uh, Victor is out. Um, and then you also bring in Justin Holliday and your favorite backup point guard in the NBA, TJ McConnell. <laughs> He's a great piece. He's a great, great piece, piece as a backup man. point guard. Why is he not on the Lakers? You cannot beat the value. <laughs> no, a value, a great value just, piece. Just the effort, the, the smart 
basketball IQ you get from TJ McConnell. It's, 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 not, it's very rare in this in today's NBA to get get a guy like this at such a cheap price. Yeah, I think it's worth. I think it's worth noting. But I mean, I mean, overall, when you look at the Pacers with the sudden re- retirement of Darren Collison too. Oh. That's a that's kind of a little yeah, jab to their was, point guard position. That was a little awkward. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I think like losing some of these guys like Bogdan Bogdanovic, Thaddeus Young, yeah. uh, Corey Joseph, maybe not so much. But when you bring in a lot of newer guys, I think Ma- Malcolm Brogdon's a good addition. But I think so much of this team success still just hangs on wh- wh- how soon Victor Oladipo can get back onto the floor. Yeah, because th- this was these were some very tough losses for the Pacers. Who I mean, when you think about the Pacers, or at least for me, it doesn't seem like they really did much when in reality they lost three of their starting five exactly not in, not including Odalipo. if you include Odalipo, miles turner is the only starter from last year that's going to start this to start this season until Odalipo comes back Yikes. uh you're, yeah your starting lineup right now is looking like jeremy lamb probably alongside malcolm brogdon um, the new, also newcomer TJ Warren. You got Demontis Sabonis moving up from sixth man into that starting position, and then Miles Turner at center. So yeah, Bog- Bogdan. I mean, he was the main scorer once Victor went out, and he yeah. was really propelling them into that playoff run where everyone thought they were going to drop off. Um, once he, once Odalipo got hurt, he just stepped in, started averaging about twenty-one points a game. Was their leading scorer in the in the first round of the playoffs when they had that gutsy series against Boston and you lose him over to Utah um, Thaddeus Young you lose to the Bulls who we're talking about in a little bit here and yeah. Darren Collison like you said retires um, Wesley Matthews was a piece they brought on at the trade deadline um, as one of those um, guys that got waived by the Knicks I believe in that in that Porzingis <laughs> trade they bring him in and he's able to contribute a little bit and so yeah they, these are actually some significant losses for this team but masked by the fact that they were able to make some really smart moves in the offseason pick up some guys that have that are younger have some good promise i mean brogdon warren and lamb are all really like approaching their primes or in their primes right now and warren i mean we we gotta talk about how warren was basically just taken from the suns just (laughs) pilfered just like a thief in the night they come and they get him for near to nothing i think a second round pick swap or something stupid like that was like they literally just let go of TJ Warren. When I remember when we were talking about that, I'm like, that was the I've never seen a trade that was more of just one team t- giving a player to another team. Yeah, <laughs> like, and I think he was like the Suns' second leading scorer at he that was. time. He was. He averaged 18 points a game last year. Um, second only to Devin Booker, obviously. He's a just solid let piece. Yeah, he's a guy. That's a guy that's on like a three-year, thirty million dollar contract too. This is a yeah. valuable player. That's a valuable yeah. contract right there, and you just let him go because you wanted to bring in Ricky Rubio. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'll, I'll never, I'll never understand the Suns front office. But I mean, you bring him in. Jeremy Lamb had a great year for the Hornets last year. I mean, all things considered, that team really kind of <laughs> stunk. But he averaged 15 points a game for them last year, and really was their second best player most nights. So, I mean, that's a great piece there. So their depth remains pretty solid, and that's what the Pacers have been known for in recent years. It's just being a very deep team that's able to go eight, nine guys into the rotation and just be able to keep fresh legs on the floor that can all play together well. Um, so hopefully these new pieces can just gel in very well. Yeah, 
I think like, and you made note of this here too, is like, I think the big problem with this team is how do you replace all that scoring, all that efficient scoring that Bogdanovic was giving you? Right. You still have Miles Turner, so I think you still have like that good defensive front court that he had a hell of a year as well last year. I think Demontis Sabonis is also a good piece. He still continues, I think, to get better. Um, but I mean, Malcolm Brogdon, can he really fill in those shoes? TJ Warren, Jeremy Lamb, at least until Victor Odolipo comes in. Well, because last year, I mean, for them, I'm looking at this. They got to 48 wins last year. I forgot about yeah. that. I mean, to get that they fifth did, yeah, seed. Yeah, they didn't really fall off at all. Yeah, we kept thinking that they were going to hit a point where they were just going to free fall back down to the bottom of the standings. But they kept going. They kept going. And if, I mean, I think so for them to get 48 wins again, I don't think they could do that without Victor Odolipo. So now I think it's a question of, you know, how long is he out? How long is he? How many games is he going to miss? If he comes back like late December, early January, I think they still have a shot at like 45, 46 wins. But outside of that, I think a realistic mark is like more like 40, 41 to 42 games. Um, if he doesn't come into like late January. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. This team is, it's got the good pieces, but it, it needs its leader. Right. And that, I think that's the X factor that I've, I've marked down is Malcolm Brogdon has to be that guy while he's out because it can't be Bogdanovich anymore. He's gone. Thaddeus mm-hmm. Young was that veteran presence that's not there anymore. Right. It's a lot younger team. Brogdon's 25 going into 26, and he's going to have to be that guy that takes that next step, in my opinion, because he has the efficiency numbers like we talked about. The 50, 40, 90 is such, such an amazing stat for a player to have. Right. But he's going to have to do it with more volume now. He's going to have to get out of his comfort zone a little bit. Of well, When he was on the Bucks, he was being third, fourth option most nights. Now he right. might have to be that number one option for them. And can he translate his game into that type of player? Yeah, and I think he's going to find himself extremely uncomfortable at times because – when you share the floor with Eric Bledsoe or Giannis, so they command so much defensive attention. And Giannis just opens up those wide open shots for you. So he's not going to find that in Indiana. So we'll see how he responds to that challenge. I'd like to see him take that step forward in his career and really become more of that, that scoring leader. But we'll see. We'll see what happens yeah. with the Indiana Pacers. If it doesn't happen, then 40, 40, 40 to 42 wins for this team. If it happens and they hold on, then possibly 48 again. Yeah, and yeah. so do you think that Malcolm Brogdon can average 22 points a game while Victor's out? Uh, what was his average last year again? Was he? I think he was like 15 points. Was he like at 15 points? Will he eclipse 20? I don't know. He does. He's, he's never seemed like that type of guy to me, though I don't, I don't see it being as something impossible for him to yeah, do. Yeah, it's, it's hard to... Yeah, so he averaged 15.6 points a game last year. Yeah, and so much of that efficiency is like, it's good and it's great. I think it is because he's a great player, but I wonder how much of that was like just a Giannis effect, just an error, playing alongside like an Eric Bledsoe and a Chris Middleton. Right, yeah, he's gonna... Yeah, he has way more space to operate with, but uh, it's... I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see. I don't see him hitting 22, honestly. Like now, the more I'm thinking at the more I just can't get myself to say yes. I think yeah, 18 points. Tough. I think 18, 19 points is his, his ceiling. Yeah. It's, he just doesn't seem like that difference maker, you know? I don't know what it is. It just doesn't seem like he has that explosiveness, like, to just take over a game. Right. He's like not quite. factor. Yeah, exactly. He's not that. He's not the creative scorer that a lot of these other guys are. He's just not that type of guy. 
Yeah, but he got the money as that that type of guy, so you got to put his money where his mouth is. And real That's quick, true. They, yeah, real quick, they drafted this guy Goga Bidatse at eighteen, and I don't know if you remember this story, but he was most known for the picture, the the meme of him just sitting alone at his press table at the at the NBA draft um, pre-show. Sitting next to Zion, who's swarmed from with reporters, and this man doesn't have a single person that wants to know anything about him. <laughs> it's, it's so sad. But he ended up going in the first round, so that that's great. Yeah, I mean, 18, that's not a bad pick at all. I know. <laughs> but, yeah, they act like this guy's a nobody. He had no, no attention. I mean, being next to Zion's got to... Gotta be the worst. <laughs> no, I mean this guy. He's he's gonna get minutes in the NBA. He's no joker. He's no scrub. But yeah, I mean when you're next to Zion, that's the Zion <laughs> effect right there for you. I hope I hope that lit a fire under him. Like I want him to be like, all right, I gotta prove myself now because nobody even knows who I am. Yeah, exactly. But how about we move to the Mortar City Sean, the team who has just been. The consistency of consistency over the last few years, just yeah, same normally. record, very little roster movement, and really no change, in, I think, in optimism around their team. Yeah, so consistency can be a good thing. In this case, it's a pretty terrible thing. When you're, <laughs> when you're consistently this average, you just feel <laughs> stuck. You have no hope for the future. Or the present, <laughs> you're just you're just hoping for an eighth seed, and that is exactly where the Detroit Pistons find themselves. Is they'll be fighting for the eighth seed for really the foreseeable future. The next two seasons, this is what their team's going to look like. The additions they were able to make on very little cap space, thanks to Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond, and honestly Reggie Jackson to an extent, making eighteen million dollars, preventing them from getting anyone that can really move the needle for them. Um, but they are able to get a few good players, which I do applaud their effort here. They get they get Derrick Rose, who is a guy that's more of your like high risk, high reward type of players. So we'll see what he can do for them. Probably as a backup to Reggie Jackson, but then you also have Markeith Morris coming in as a backup power forward. Now you never know what's going to happen to Blake Griffin over the course of a season. He could always get hurt, and then uh, Tony Snell, good three and D guy. Um, yeah. played for the Bucks. So some decent pieces, right? But mm-hmm. nothing that you're going to write home about. Like <laughs> these are all pretty pretty small time moves and who do you lose? You don't really lose much either. You lose Ish Smith, new starting point guard of the Washington Wizards. Yeah, what a John- move for him. <laughs> yeah, what a move, seriously. <laughs> and then they also lose John Luer and Wayne Ellington. I did not know John Luer was still in the... Oh, I guess he's not in the NBA anymore. I don't think he's added to anybody. Well, actually, probably. He's, I don't know. I thought he was I part know. of a trade or something, but then yeah. I think they waived him. I, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Like that. <laughs> that's not a big departure for them at all. But then they draft this guy, Seku Dumbuya, who, man, these last <laughs> these last two draft picks have been really putting me through the ringer here. Yeah. Um, yeah <laughs> I'm they glad you him. got him. <laughs> <laughs> they draft him at 15. This, this guy was French-born. He's a forward, six foot nine. He has good size and athleticism, according to his NBA profile. Uh, seems like more of a raw product. Uh, seemed like he lacked a little bit in defense, needed to work on his shot. Uh, seems like they took him more for his just raw athletic ability. Um, right. So we'll see if this guy gets any minutes for them because um, their last few draft picks have not really become much of anything. I think... They're probably hoping for a lot more from Luke Kennard. Um, that yeah. guy's pretty pretty below average. Um, 
They even traded for Zvima Kyluk with the <laughs> Lakers, and that that was pretty much a waste of time. <laughs> but yeah, so I uh, that's yes. where he's at now. Yep, there he is. He's, he's still there too. Um, yeah. yeah, so I mean, like we said before, this team with these moves, they're just stuck in the middle. They have no impressive moves. Their cap space is pretty much locked up for the next two seasons. They're already at the cap this year. They're already at 102 million dedicated to next year as well. So you're not going to get anybody very good with that kind of money. So this is your team, um, and they they knew that when they when they ended up doing that trade with the Clippers for Blake Griffin, they knew that this was going to be their reality. That they were going to just be locked in as this average team for the next two years. But if that's all they want to do is sell some tickets with Blake Griffin's uh, athleticism and explosive play. Uh, flashy play it's entertaining for sure yeah. um, so they're definitely accomplishing that but other uh, besides from that like you're not you're not going to be upset in any one seeds um in the no. position they're in right now yeah has blake griffin hit the 40 million dollar a year mark on his contract yet uh, i think it's just pretty dang close yeah <laughs> but either way i mean I just don't really know what opinion to have on this of this team. It's like there's no opinion to have. Yeah, they're they just have, average. Yeah, they're just average, and they got some names that stand out, but yet they just like it is what it is. You know, this is going to be a 42-43 win team. They're probably going to take the eight seed, or they're going to be challenged really hard by some other team. But there's no way they're they're climbing. I think. Yeah. Up to either the seventh or the sixth anytime soon. I think maybe at some point in the season they probably would be there, but again, it's saying? like, yeah, that's that, there's no magic in this team for sure. <laughs> would you say that this is the most average team in the NBA? I would say um, for for the length of time that they have been in this position. Maybe yes, <laughs> I want to say yes, but I, for some reason the Miami Heat also come oh, to yeah. mind. They have Jimmy Butler now. I don't know. They've just been sort of straggling in that same line of wins as well, like 38 to 42 wins or 36 to 42 right. or 43. Yeah. Same with the Orlando Magic too. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. But I think, yeah, in other regards, I think for the length of time, I think it is this team. They've just been teetering that same line. And, I mean, let's see. Let's see. I mean, let's see if they can put something together. But at the same time, it's like – the same consistency also follows Blake Griffin. I mean, he puts together some good performances, and then he's got to go. He goes down with injuries, and um, you hate to see it. But I'm not gonna. I, I mean, it might just happen again this year, and they'll lose some games and fall back to the eight seed if if they get up to the six or something. Yeah. So that's the thing is like I think if Blake Griffin, I mean, it was incredible that he was able to play 75 games last year, mm-hmm. but. If he's only able to play like 50, maybe even just 60 games next year, this team is terrible. Like <laughs> I'm not I'm not even giving them even if Blake Griffin misses like a quarter of the season cuz they have nobody that can yeah. make any plays on this team. They have no playmakers on this team outside of Blake Griffin. The whole offense runs through Blake Griffin. He is their team. Right. Or you have Reggie Jackson. Give that man. Whatever, <laughs> man. <just> kidding. <laughs> Average point guard, man. Reggie Jackson. You kidding me? That guy yeah. could create space for freaking NASA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're right. I mean, if, yeah, Blake Griffin goes down, it's, they're, they're going to go yeah, on some huge losing streaks. Yeah. Huge losing streak. Yeah. I mean, we saw what they, what 
what playoff team they have they put out there on the floor last year when Blake Griffin wasn't there. Um, and even when he was there, the Bucks torched him. Yeah. Well, maybe Andre Drummond will put will take a huge step forward in his career. I wouldn't count yeah. on it, but yeah. Again, I think enough said for this team. Yeah, that's really. I, I did, there was not much to talk about there. Most average. Yeah, but on the other hand, let's go to Chicago. The Chicago Bulls, not quite as average, but they do have a consistency of just being below average for the last couple of years. They've missed <laughs> the playoffs now for four years straight. But I think this might be a year that they might challenge the Detroit Pistons for that eighth seed. So their additions is they added Thomas Stradanowski, a guy who's been actually kind of lighting it up in the FIBA World Cup, averaging 15 and 7 and 6 rebounds per game for the Czech Republic. They added Thaddeus Young. They lose Justin Holiday and a couple of other unnotable pieces. <laughs> but I think for them, it's like really they're it's, they're a young team that's continuing to build up from their draft assets, and I think they've really low key have really had a great draft picks the last two years in Wendell Carter Jr. and Laurie Markkinen, and they add another piece that hopefully can help fill their biggest gap, which is that point guard position, with the addition of Colby White. And as well as Daniel Gafford, who also lit it up in the summer league and not much attention was brought onto him. So 13.878 rebounds and 2.8 blocks on 68% shooting. And he did this all off 24, almost 25 minutes a game. So might, might be a solid role player in a couple of years from now, but eyes are really going to turn though to Colby White and Chris Dunn and Thomas Stradanowski in that battle for that starting point guard role. And I mean, I say Chris Dunn because this guy has just not been able to stay on the floor for this team, and it almost looks like this might be his last chance to try to redeem himself for the Chicago Bulls as this is a contract year for him. So he might be on his way out if he can't string together performances or just can't stay on the floor. Uh, last year, Chris Dunn only played 46 games, and Ryan Acradecano took most of those point guard minutes. Do you know this guy's name, Sean? Please help me out here. Uh, Arcidia Kono? Yeah. So, I mean, Chicago dealt with huge blows in terms of injuries to Krista and Laurie Markkinen and Wendell Carter Jr., which only gave him 22 wins last year. But I'm going to say, make a bold prediction, a bold declaration. Mm. I think they make a huge step this year, and they're training up. I think realistically they go 38 wins, but I want to say I want to be bold and go 42 wins if this team oh, can stay on. healthy and yeah, just put just the stay keep the the their B level big three is what I'm calling it. It's not quite <laughs> A level big three, but oh, no. Oder Porter Jr., uh, Zach Levine, and Laurie Markin. And if these guys stay healthy, man, I'm not surprised if this team goes for 40 wins this year. They just wow. make a huge monumentous leap this year. You do you believe in this young core more than the Atlanta Hawks young core? I think they have a little more pieces. I think they have that one more piece. Mm. I think Wendell Carter Jr., Laurie Markin, I think Zach Levine and Order Porter. They just have more more pieces, I think, to really make that leap this year. I mean, let's wow. look at Zach Levine career year, twenty four points a game. 37 from the three, 83 from the free throw line, 47 from the field overall. Dude, this guy had himself a hell of a year. I think we're ready for. I think they're ready to make that monumentous leap, wow. get into the forty, get it, win forty games, and get that eight seed, or at least just miss barely miss it. 
Wow, this is that. I'm gonna have to process this right now. I was, not, <laughs> I was honestly like, I like the Bulls. I like these guys on this. I like, I like the B level big three. I, I like that. <laughs> but I'm just let me let me just run through this again. So I mean, this this is the problem I have with what they've done with their acquisitions this offseason. And I I think they got some very good players. I like Tomas Sadoransky. Very consistent, very solid player. Thaddeus Young, obviously great on the Pacers. Going to give them some veteran presence that they're definitely lacking. Mm -hmm. But when you have Chris Dunn as your starting point guard, and you bring in another starting point guard, and you also draft a starting point guard, (laughs) what message are you sending to each of those guys? Like, you have three people on this roster that want to be the starting point guard. And none of them are really better than the other at this point. So it's just going to create some weird chemistry. I'm yeah. Not, I don't know. I'm not really digging that. Yeah. And I, I I think I think you could look at it that angle. But I think more than anything, I think Thomas Stradinowski is, is basically your insurance policy on Chris Dunn. I mean, I think Chris Dunn, I think, would be your starting point guard in this situation. But he is just, he had a career, he had a regression year last year. I mean, he had a couple, he had injuries to him. He only played like 40 games. Yeah, so, so honestly, what that tell what this tells me with these moves is that they don't think Kobe White is ready to be their point guard now, but they also don't like Chris Dunn. Exactly. So they brought yep. in Sadoransky to be the starter until White's ready. And to me, that tells me that Chris Dunn, probably gonna have to get traded i think he's on his way i think like, he's on I his think, way out yeah, if he doesn't come to if yeah. he doesn't come with the fire the first the first couple he months really, here in the year it really just didn't pan out and I, and I don't think he's gonna even get that many minutes because you're gonna want to give the backup point guard minutes to your future starting point guard colby white like you're not gonna want to give that to chris dunn like you're trying to develop the guy you just drafted in the lottery you know? yeah i could so, see yeah, I just, I don't know. That's going to be a very interesting storyline to follow, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but I I do love me some Zach Levine. I draft that guy in fantasy every year. <laughs> I don't know why it happens, but I don't know. It worked out for me last year. He had a great year. But yeah. after he came back from injury, of course. But yeah, Zach Levine is a good piece. I mean, Otto Porter, I've never been a big fan of Otto Porter. Like, he just doesn't seem like a difference maker. But, you know, he's, he's a body that you put at small forward. So I'll give you that part of it. I I don't I don't buy into the big three with him in it. You know, like it, even even a, he's a C level big three, in my opinion. Like he's gonna have to really step up his game because I do see the potential in Levine and Markinen. I I love Laurie Markinen. I I think yeah. he's gonna have a great season this year. Yeah, and I was what, hesitant to. I was hesitant to add Wendell Carter just because he's such a young piece. Yeah, so I added I, it's like, I would say like Wendell Carter has the potential to make this an actual B level big three because Otto Porter is not getting much better, if at all, at this point. He had a career high game as soon as he joined the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, that's one game though. Like show me show me it over the course of a season. Give me a consistent 18 points a game from Otto Porter Jr. and I'm about to see it. Yeah, 18 points a game. (laughs) Maybe not 18 points a game. That's what if you want to have a big three, that's what you're going to have to do. I think Zach Levine is taking some of those shots and Laurie Markinen, but I think Otto Porter Jr. is going to be a solid piece for this team. And and you know what? I think the reason I say that is because I also think if this team can pull it together and just stay healthy, 
I think that they're headed for a big leap this year. I mean, Wendell Carter Jr., 44 games last year. Laurie Markin in 52. Zach Levine, 63. If all three of these guys can just get to 65 or 70 games would be best. We're looking at 40 yeah. games. 40 games, man. They're winning 40 man. games. I'll give you 35. <laughs> all right. I'll take 35. I mean, my realistic pick is 38 wins, which I think even that is pretty generous. It's like I want to be as optimistic as you about these guys, but obviously the health is a concern. You yeah. Know, like the all of these guys have proven that they're injury-prone players. I mean, even Zach Levine coming over from Minnesota had injury problems just at, like when he first even got to Chicago. Like this guy has never really had a healthy stint. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. They're going to have to prove that they can stay on the floor for an extended period of time. Yeah. I think there's yeah. two things here. It's like the health and the point that point guard role. Like, yeah. Let's see where it goes. If Chris Dunn takes control of his destiny and really just, you know, plays for a spot on the NBA for a new contract, I think things will be looking up for this team. And if they can just stay healthy at 60 games from this B level B four or from the Wendell Carter, Markinen, and Levine trio, what percent 60 games. chance? What percent chance do you give them of making the playoffs? Um, getting that eighth seed. No, I'm gonna put it at a solid forty percent. Whoa! Yeah. I was gonna, I was gonna be surprised if you even gave them a thirty percent chance. Forty yeah, percent. Forty. I will give them fifteen. Fifteen. That's pretty small. I will say that it is. I, it's a small chance. I, I. That's a big leap for this team. It is a huge leap. They won twenty-two games last year. Twenty-six. Yeah, that's a big leap, bro. You're almost doubling their season. I, which I think so. With, I think without they can getting do it. any new pieces, like no, yeah. nothing that really like matters that much. Thomas Duranowski called me and he said he's going to uh. average in the NBA what he just averaged in the FIBA World Cup. Oh, okay, fifteen <laughs> points. Ooh, <laughs> we'll see. I think I think if there's one young team I'm keeping my eyes on, it's the Chicago Bulls team. I think they have a real uh, shot. But I like uh, the Hawks more. I'm going to say I think the Hawks have a better season than the Bulls. We'll see, man. That'll be an interesting two teams to follow there. The, yeah. The battle of the young pieces. I just think like the Chicago's Chicago just has a couple more pieces over the Atlanta Hawks at this point, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what we'll see what looks what it looks like in a couple couple weeks, a couple months into the year. Yeah. But how about the the Cleveland Cavaliers, a team that I'm not gonna be optimistic for and I'm not <laughs> willing to really Aww. shoot for the heavens for them, but in terms of additions, um, they didn't really add any new players, but they added a new coach, John Bellin, Bellini. Bellini? Bellini. Yeah. yeah. But they made some dead interesting draft picks. They drafted Darius Garland, which is a good, solid piece, a great player. Um, but he plays the exact same position, <laughs> almost the exact same style as Colin Sexton. Uh-oh. And then on, and then they also add Dylan Wind, Windler out of USC. And it's interesting. So they traded their, tw- their 2020, 2021, 2023, and 2024 second rounders, as well as a check for $5 million to the Detroit Pistons. Oh, actually, they did all this for the rights to Kevin Porter Jr., the 30th pick, a 6'6 shooting guard out of USC. Kind of like a shoot, uh, a shoot first guard who came off the bench. Uh, who also missed a lot of games for the U- for USC because of a suspension. So the forty one percent college shooter. Uh, I mean, sounds like a good pickup, but they kind of 
just just give up. I guess second rounders aren't really that much. It's just like kind of oh, pocket change to a certain degree. Cleveland, when you're the Cleveland Cavaliers, those are some juicy picks. That's true. That yeah, that, I totally forgot about that trade. I, I think we <laughs> we talked about it when it happened, but four second rounders for one dude in a thirtieth pick, like <laughs> it's not like you got like something great. Like this guy, like. He's obviously a, a character issue because he's missed mm-hmm. games due to suspension. He shoots a three-pointer. So what? Like, that <laughs> does not seem worth giving away four second-rounders, which at least two of those, maybe all four of those, are going to be, like, 31 to 35, you know? Like, this yeah. team is still looking like a bottom-five team in the NBA for at least the next two years. Maybe the next five years, and then you're giving Detroit a really nice pick yeah. for the next four years just to get the 30th pick in the draft. Like, yeah. that just does not seem worth it at all, especially when you're a rebuilding team. You need your picks. You need all your picks. Yeah. It's interesting. They, I'm not sure what it was about Kevin Porter Jr. that they really fell in love with. He's a solid shooter. I just, he kind of strikes me off as a guy who kind of might have declared for the draft just a bit too early here. Um, so I think, I don't think we'll really be seeing much action from him. So he might be one of those sort of stash and develop type players for the Cleveland Cavaliers, but they must really have their hats high on the, on him. But for the Detroit Pistons, this is a lot of cheap, um, cheap contracts you're going to be able to add to your team considering their salary cap and that cash issues money that they too. have. Five million, <laughs> million. bucks. Yeah, man, that's laundry for 10 years, some locker room <laughs> upgrades. There you go. Yes. But I think when we're talking about point guards here, the Cleveland Cavaliers have an interesting point guard. They they have Brandon Knight who they who they, who they gave who is still getting who's still getting paid 15 million dollars <laughs> somehow this year. They have Colin wow. Sexton and they have Darius Garland. Um, you know, two undersized scoring point guards who aren't really known for being playmakers but rather being guys who really are aggressive. On get being creative on the scoring end here, so you have two guys who might be playing, fighting each other for the exact same position. So I guess in the best case, you get Damian Leonard and CJ McCollum. But on yeah, the worst case, right. <laughs> yeah. But the most likely slash also probably um, worst case is you just get butting heads, and you might have to end up choosing between one or the other. So. I don't know what's happening, but I guess if you're looking at it as, you know, you draft the best player available, then I guess I could, then I guess it's a solid strategy. And then you just kind of figure it out over the next coming years. But the Cavs more, more interesting is they're a rebuilding team, but with an expensive roster still (laughs) in their hands. You got Tristan Thompson, 18 million this year. Kevin Love, 28 million. Larry Nance Jr., 12. And Jordan Clarkson at 13. Oh, Lucky, man. <laughs> luckily, some of these guys come off the books, but still, like Kevin Love is still going to be paid up twenty eight million plus for the next three years, and for a team that's kind of rebuilt, that's rebuilding but not really getting any better. I don't know. In terms of trending, I think they stay the same. I mean, this team is one of the worst. One of the worst. Nineteen yeah. games last year. This is with a Kevin Love that only played twenty two games. So if there's an X factor here, it's Kevin Love somehow convinces himself to drive every day to this arena, play every <laughs> single game. That's the only way I think I could see this team trending up to get to like 30 wins, hey, there's, 28 there's tw- wins. There's 28 million reasons why he needs to drive to that arena every day. I don't yeah. care. You just signed that deal. You knew exactly what you were getting into. LeBron yep. left. You knew the team was going to suck. 
but yeah. you wanted to be the guy on the crappy team, so now you're, there you go. 28 million reasons to show up to practice and give it your all. <laughs> but, yeah, I do like your storyline to follow here. Does Kevin Love get moved this year? I think at the trade deadline, it's very likely. Yeah, There's, there's going to be a team out there that just really needs that last extra push, that shooting big man that can really do a lot for your team um, that's a contender. And I, I could see him getting moved to another team that just needs that last piece at the trade deadline. And I think if they're able to do that, that's really going to help them in the rebuilding process. Um, otherwise, you're just looking at a team that if Kevin Love is fully healthy this season, they could they could trend up. Like, which oh, yeah, I think in, so. In a way, which in a way is trending down because obviously you want more lottery balls as the Cleveland Cavaliers. True. Like, get, getting the 30-32 wins for this team would almost be worse <laughs> than yeah. staying the same. So, yeah, do you even want him to be on this roster to help you win games? That's what he's going to do. He's going to help you win games. He's a great player. So, I mean, he's got to be worth at least, like, 10 extra wins for this team, which is not something they want. So, uh, yeah, I can see them moving him. Yeah, it's kind of like, why did you sign that contract? Because it's like, if he gets traded this year, he hardly played last year. So it's almost like it was just like a a media spotlight, just a media picture, like just for the yeah. picture. It was, was like it, a pipe dream that, that maybe they'd still make the playoffs with him. Right. Yeah, no way. <laughs> I think... But then also at the on the other end of that, it's also like at twenty eight million dollars, he's getting that contract goes up to thirty next year. Which team is willing to really let go of some assets for thirty one year old, thirty two year old Kevin Love for the next three years? I, I think mean, there, there's some. There's going to be interest. We saw the Raptors get Marcus Sol. True. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be a similar type of situation. Yeah. So. I mean, for some reason, the team that really sticks out to me that could use a Kevin Love is Portland. They did trade Ooh. away some of their bad contracts already, but if you can convince the Cavs to take Hassan Whiteside and oh. some first rounders, maybe that's where that yeah. maybe that that's where you can maybe yeah, you can make because, that work. Yeah, you hope Nurkic is back um, by that time, so you get all you need out of Whiteside. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, now Nurkic is back. You can go on your merry way. Yeah, and, yeah. Get Kevin Love in return. Ooh. That that would be an amazing play by the Blazers. I would I would be stoked on that. Yeah, but other other than that, I guess there's some teams. I, I mean, maybe the Pacers. Like the Pacers do need that extra scoring. Like he could fill in where Bogdanovich really was for them last year. That's true. It's just do they, do they have the assets to match that salary? That's just gonna make it so difficult. And yeah. I gotta think the Cavs are gonna want some great draft picks. And there's just right. like. I think the team that has them isn't going to be willing to let them go, like an OKC or uh, Miami or any of these other teams. Yeah, yeah. A contender, a contender is going to have to give them some really good future first rounders. In return. Yeah, exactly. But that's the storyline to follow here. Is where does Kevin Love get moved? Other than that, this is a really bad team that's going to lose a lot of games this year. Mm-hmm. Feel bad for Cleveland, but it looks like you might have a couple more decades of losing basketball on your hands. Unless you somehow get the luck of the Chicago Bulls draft picks. But for the most part, on the note of Cleveland, final thoughts to close the podcast. An ESPN piece came out this week called The Three Players Who Defined This Decade. And they they voted, ESPN writers voted on this. And they chose that the three players who defined the decade is Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, and the number one overwhelming choice is LeBron James. And the final thought here is, is there really any real realistic argument against this 
finding that num- LeBron is the number one player of this decade, Sean? You could maybe argue Curry because he changed the game so much. You know, yes. like I think LeBron was more of an icon of the sport, but the game changed around what Steph Curry was doing. Like these three point, the three point bonanza that we see in this day and age is absolutely insane. And he is really, I think, the first spark that set everything off. And like that's what you see, like pickup games all the time. People are just shooting like Curry. Like no one really like imitates LeBron in a pickup yeah. game, but people do imitate Steph Curry in a pickup game. So I, I, that's where I might argue Steph Curry. Um, but if we're talking about like worldwide dominance, like LeBron James is that guy. Yeah. It's eight straight finals, basically ending franchises and any chance of legacy additions to some guys' careers. Yeah. I mean, three titles beating the arguably the best team in NBA history. But yeah, I mean, Steph Curry definitely has a name in there. And I think you might have just answered my question too, because I saw this title and for a while I was like, why would they choose three players? Why not just write the piece about LeBron? <laughs> but yeah. I, I see that argument for Curry. I mean, greatest shooter of all time. I mean, I think, right. I think that's a, that's, I think it's beyond more than fair to call Curry that at this point. I mean, I Durant, don't even, Durant, do you agree with Durant? That's the thing I was about to say about Durant. It's like, He's a great scorer for our time. He's a great player. But, I mean, as a seven-footer, I guess we've never really seen something like that. But he hasn't done those notable pieces the way Curry and LeBron have, uh, just in terms of game changers, just legacy changers. I don't think Durant has that quite yet. I feel like Giannis might be more of a definer than Durant. Like, Hmm. I, I, I mean... I think Durant is probably a slightly better overall player than Giannis. Obviously, he's a better shooter. Yeah. Um, but Giannis being that, like, being a foreign player, you know? Like, yeah. I think just really showing how foreign players. I mean, Steve Nash, Canadian, won the MVP twice. I don't know if I count that as very foreign, but <laughs> Giannis comes in and he's 24, 25 years old and he wins MVP. And just shows like that the world has caught up to the USA, right? Um, and that I think that in itself is more of a message than Durant has ever done. Yeah, I think it's also the the development journey that Giannis has gone through. Right. But here's another thing: I think Giannis is just getting started. I think if we're talking about Ooh. players who defined a decade, <laughs> I think that's his name is to be mentioned in 2030. Like yeah, we'll, we'll oh, have I, some I things, totally some agree. bullet points to add to his name when that happens. Yeah, I, I agree. I would I would also put Giannis in here over Durant. Even yeah. For, for this decade, even though he only played for half of it. Okay, interesting. All right. Yeah. Well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Next week, Sean, what, what division should we preview? What do we got uh, on we're, the we're, deck we're next? Saving, we're saving the Pacific for last, but we, we are going to go back west. We're going to go to the northwest. Uh, that being. Go. The Nugget. This is a great division, though, too. Um, well, not as great as it once was, but Nuggets, Blazers, Jazz, and then the Thunder and the Timberwolves on the on the Ooh. bottom side. But they got a good mix in there. Got yeah, this was there. at one point a team that had everybody looking to contend in the playoffs. That yeah, was last I think that, that, that was, was last yeah year. that was our yeah that was our podcast last year. It's like, are we gonna get five teams from a division make playoffs? And obviously, the Timberwolves did not live up to that, <laughs> but. <laughs> 
don't think we'll be saying the same thing this year. Yeah, but solid division. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in. Don't forget, next week we'll be covering the Northwest Division. Thanks everybody. Yes, sir. Have a good week, everyone.